And welcome to True Life Church. We're glad you're here this morning. Last week we started a two-part series here at True Life Church called Rescue and Resurrection. Rescue and Resurrection. We looked at how we are all desperately in need of rescue. We looked at John chapter 17 where Jesus spends his last few hours praying for you. Praying for you. See, Jesus was willing and ready to endure the pain of your sin, my sin, as his suffering. And he spent some of his last recorded words with you on his heart, praying for you, for those that believe. And he prayed for you and me to be brought back to complete unity for all of our broken and fractured parts to be made whole in his love. But in order for you and I to really recognize His sacrifice, last week we realized that we have to admit something that's very hard for us. You see, we put up a front. It's very easy for us to to put up a front of a Facebook self, or a workplace self, or a schoolroom self. And we put up these fronts, but it's not the real us, it's the Facebook us. The us that we'd like to show to people, but it's not really what's going on down deep inside. So today we have to drop the front, because last week reminded ourselves that there is no point in remembering the resurrection of today when you ignore that you are in need of rescuing. There's no point in remembering this resurrection when you ignore that you are in need of rescuing. See, we're all flawed messed up, broken people who are in need of a Savior. And maybe your life is a mess and just maybe just seems to have no direction or purpose. Maybe you have lived a lifetime of neglect. And maybe you just simply maybe you just simply look in the mirror and feel undesirable. You think to yourself that there is there's no possible way that anyone would or could truly care for you. You know, the real you that no one else sees, not the Facebook you, not the social media you, not the workplace you, not the schoolroom you, the real you. But you know what? Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again to change all of that for you. He said, I'll be neglected. I'll be shamed and spat on and stripped naked and mocked and beaten and hung bleeding on a cross in front of my family. I'll do that. I'll do that for you. He said, I'll take your punishment. I'll carry the weight of your sin, and I will hang it on the cross with me. Jesus said, I will show you the truest love you've ever seen, and I'm going to die for you. Because he knew then that you today are in need of a Savior. You are in need of rescue. And he is chasing after you. He is pursuing you. He is relentlessly and endlessly trying to show you how much He loves you. So today we we need to remember that we are all in need of rescue. And you know what? It's Jesus who came to be our rescuer. And this is why Jesus took our sin and bore it on a cross. This is why He died. Because He knew that you are worth it. He knew you were worth it. And He desperately wants a relationship with you that nothing on this earth can comprehend. He wants to be with you in a lonely, lost world. You and I today, we're rescues. 
We don't deserve His love, His grace, and His mercy. But this is a gift He offers to all of us who believe in Him. Every year, uh, pilgrims make a kind of holy journey through the Italian Alps. And they wander up this mountain, stopping to pray and spend some time at these little stations of the cross. And they'll, they'll arrive at a certain station, and they'll stop, and they'll pray, and then we'll move on to another station and do the same. And eventually, they all end up at this little statue of a crucifix, or Jesus on the cross, near the top. Now, one tourist on this little mountain hike one day noticed a trail through the thick brush that led past the crucifix. So he pushed his way through the thicket, through the brush, and to his surprise, he came upon one more station. And you know, it was the station of the empty tomb. But this station was neglected and had been grown over by bushes. No one had been there in a very long time. You see, all the tourists had gotten as far as the cross, but there they stopped. You see, many Christians today, we journey as far as the cross. We can pause for a few moments to vaguely recollect Jesus' sacrifice, but far fewer of us move beyond the cross to find the actual message of Easter, the message of the empty tomb, the message of new life in Christ. The message of resurrection. So today we're going to finish up this rescue and resurrection two-part series. And we're actually just going to take this journey to look at the cross. But we're not going to stop there. Instead, we're going to move farther beyond that. To remind ourselves of the message of Easter. Resurrection. And to do that, we're actually going to turn way back. Way back to the book of Genesis. This is the first book in your Bible Uh, The book of Genesis, chapter 22, and if you would like to follow along, we have Bibles out in our welcome area. Otherwise, it's going to be just the, the passage on screen. But I invite you to just listen along this morning to Genesis, chapter 2. And you might be thinking, you know, what on earth, Josh, happens in Genesis 22 that has anything to do with Easter? And we're going to find out. So again, if you're following along, Genesis, chapter 22 And this is going to be verses 1 through 14. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. And this right here, I'll pause, just so such a testament of Abraham's faith. We will worship, and he says, then we will come back to you. Abraham's faith already believes that though God had asked him to sacrifice his son, there was going to be a way made out for it. Continuing in verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. 
As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they had reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven saying, Abraham, Abraham, calling his name twice. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord Will Provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And this story foreshadows everything that Jesus will come to do almost 2,000 years later. Now last Easter, if you were here with us, we, we took a good long look at the importance of our names because our names are important. They mean something. The names of the people and the places in this book are also just as important. The name of Jesus or Yeshua translates as God saves. But here's where it gets cool for the name of Jesus because for him, being God, his name literally translates as I save. Now, how much simpler could God try to make it for us to see who Jesus came to be than to have his son's name literally mean, I save? I save. Names of places in this book are important too. Now, here at the end of this passage, this place gets named, The Lord Will Provide. Because to that day it said that on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now I want you to remember that because we're going to come back around to that in a few more moments. So remember that. The Lord will provide. Or on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now we're going to go on a field trip here for just a bit. Anyone ever been to the Holy Land? Yeah, that's what I thought. Now, we need to get some things in context here for us to really understand what is going on in this passage in Genesis and then actually how it relates to the story of Jesus, His death and resurrection. Now, around this area of Mount Moriah, there wasn't a city back then. This is about 2,000 years or so before Jesus was ever born. There wasn't a city in this area, but there is today. Do you know what the city is that's there? It's called Jerusalem. Maybe you've heard of it. All around this, this area of the old city on Mount Moriah. And outside of this old city on the Mount of Moriah in Jerusalem, there's a hill. And this hill is called Calvary or Golgotha, the place of the skull. And that's where Jesus was crucified. That's where the sacrifice he made for us was right there on the region of Mount Moriah. Another similarity between these two stories of Genesis here with Abraham and Isaac and also Jesus dying for us on the cross. Both Abraham and Jesus entered the area, this area of Moriah, on a donkey. Jesus, the week of his death and what we often call Palm Sunday with the palm branches and coming in and shouting, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, entering into this area on donkeys. Both only sons and the parallels of Isaac and Jesus carried the wood they were going to be sacrificed on up the hill. You see, Isaac carried the wood for the altar, but Jesus, Jesus carried the wood for the cross. Another similarity. There are only a few times that names are called out twice in Scripture. And they're always called out by God. You see, God calls Moses from the burning bush. You may remember this story saying, Moses, Moses. Before Moses then goes to Egypt to, to freeze people when we have the plagues and a lot of us know the rest of the story. God calls Samuel's name twice in his sleep. God calls Saul's name twice in the New Testament there in Acts saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then the person who killed early Christians persecuted them, destroyed them, sought them down, hunted them. That person becomes Christ's biggest advocate and writes much of our New Testament. The angel of the Lord also here in Genesis calls Abraham's name twice. So that Abraham knows who's doing the calling. And there's only one other place we know of that a name is cried out twice in this way. In this way. And it's found in the book of Mark. So again, if you have your word and want to turn along with me, Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 39. Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 39. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And if you, so you're aware, the sixth hour is noon. So it's noon, it's midday, and yet darkness has come over this whole land. So that, first of all, know right there, that ain't normal. Picking up in verse 34. And at the ninth hour, or 3 p.m., Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry... Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus, probably one of the guys that put the nails through his hands and feet, when he heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Now Jesus calls the name twice here in the same way on this same region of the same Mount Moriah to remind us who He is, the Son of God. Another thing, we keep talking about the Son of God, or your Son, or your only Son, how it's emphasized. And there's only a few places where this only Son is emphasized like this. And you know what? It's in the story of Abraham and Isaac we've read. And it's with Jesus. And it's also found... In John chapter 3, verse 16, and this might be a familiar passage to you, or at least this first verse is, but we're going to read, again, journey past this point to find out what actually is in store for us. This is John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that He gave His one, and here it is, His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. His one and only Son. Now remember that name I told you to hold on to? The name Abraham gave that region around Mount Moriah? Remember, it's called the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Or on this mountain, the Lord has provided And 2,000 years after Abraham, this place once again lived up to its name. But this time, it wasn't just for Isaac. This time, it was for you and it was for me. This time, Jesus died on a cross for the sin of all mankind. He bore the weight of your and my sin on the cross. And He died for it. And on this place, the Lord provided Once again, the Lord provided this time, not a ram, but His Son, His one and only Son, as a sacrifice for you and for me, that we might know Him. But it's not easy for us to know a dead guy, is it? No, usually uh, if you talk to some dead guys, that's usually frowned upon in our society, in our culture today. No, we, it's not easy for us to know a dead guy. We can read about past famous people or historical figures, but we can't know them. I can read about Abraham Lincoln, but I'm never going to get a chance to know him. And you see, for us this morning, this is where we move past the cross, to where we take our time to respect its purpose and plan, and we go on past that special place that not everyone remembers. Because the ultimate point of today is not remembering the crucifixion, it's remembering the resurrection. It's remembering that Jesus didn't stay dead. He was in that tomb for three days, and on that third day he rose from the dead, robbed the grave, and there were witnesses who saw this guy This guy who had been beaten to a pulp, who had been whipped and scarred, who had had a crown of thorns put around his head and hung on a cross with nail holes in his hands and feet and a spear into his side. They saw this guy walking around three days later, talking, performing miracles, and you know what, even helping the disciples to fish before he ascended into heaven. This guy, this son, this one and only son, this Jesus didn't stay dead. The grave could not hold him. And this Jesus can be known. He's not some dead guy. He's an alive guy. He can be known by you and me. And it's a relationship that no earthly one can come close to describing. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And you can actually talk to him. And he actually responds in many different ways. Today, just as much as it was yesterday, just as much as it was three days after the crucifixion, Jesus is alive and real. Last week, we reminded ourselves that in order to truly remember the resurrection, we have to remember that we are in need of rescue. Now this week, we close with a chance to respond. Because this is what Jesus' resurrection offers to us. A chance to do the same. You see, today's not about recycling. 
It's not about reusing the same bad habits of our lives over and over and over and over again and then just filling up our emptiness with different things and different things and different things that never satisfy. Today's chance is not about recycling. And it's not also about reincarnation. This is not a circle of the same pattern. Maybe for you it's a pattern of destructive behavior or it's bad choices or it's finding yourself back in the same situations over and over and over and over again. And you're wondering, how do I keep ending up in these places again and again and again? Today's not about recycling or reincarnation. The chance we are offered today is a chance to accept what Jesus offers us, a resurrection, a death to the old things, a death to the bad habits, a death to the bad choices and the destructive behaviors, the same situations. Through new life that can be found by believing in Him, He offers us resurrection. Now, I don't know your story, but Jesus does. I don't know your past, but you know what? Jesus came to give you a new future. I don't know your mistakes today, but Jesus came to give you a clean slate. And I don't know your journey or where it will end, but you know what? Jesus came to give you eternal life with Him. Now, I don't know if you know Jesus today, but you know if you don't know Him. If you don't know Jesus this morning, and you would like to, We're going to do what we say we exist for here at True Life Church. We're going to share what we know is true life with you. The true life that can only be found through Jesus Christ. And maybe you're one of those people this morning. Maybe you need a resurrection in your life today. A death to the old self and a fresh start with Jesus. So we're going to invite a few people Come up front who can pray with you if you want to make that resurrection this morning through Jesus a reality in your life. I'd like to invite the band and prayer team to come up front. And as they do, let's close in prayer.